0: During a sales consultation, you are never selling what you do. You are buying the client's problems. So are these problems that I want to solve? Are these problems that excite me? Is this within my scope? Uh, When you start framing it that way, it makes this whole process so stress-free because you're only doing things that are in alignment with who you are as an individual. Welcome back to the show. Today, my guest is Brad McKee. Brad's path to the coaching industry was similar to many in that it started with passion, but it was unconventional in that it started with a career as a corporate sales coach. This taught Brad the skill of truly listening to the needs of the person in front of him and acting as an advocate on their behalf. Brad leveraged his career into gym ownership with the belief that the fitness industry was not serving the needs of the individual and he has been on a mission since to help change that. Brad has worked with hundreds of clients over the last decade, and it has given him a steadfast belief that every client can improve their quality of life. Brad and I talk about what it means to deliver unexpected value, some of the trade-offs that you make as a gym owner, and some of the most common problems that we see our clients deal with. Anytime I get a coach or fellow gym owner on the podcast, these always flow super well and feel naturally conversational enjoy the show. Hey everyone, real quick before we dive into the episode, you probably heard about this podcast directly from someone else or saw it shared on social media. We can only grow, spread our message further, and keep bringing in awesome and amazing guests with your help. If you could take five seconds and hop on whatever podcast platform you're using and leave us a review, it would mean the world to us. On to the show. Hey, welcome to the show thank you for having me this is gonna be exciting uh, I love having other coaches on um, just because I feel like the conversations flow so easily yes so you got into coaching um, like many in some regards and, and like few in others uh, in the way that you, this was obviously a passion project for you um, yes. you know you, you came from uh, more of a traditional uh, sales role within uh, kind of the, the corporate space. What was it for you that kind of pushed you over the ledge to be like, all right, coaching is going to be my pursuit? Yeah. So in college, my undergrad was uh, bio with a minor in chem. And I was, the plan was to go to med school and I was uh, prepping for my MCAT. And I realized I kept skipping my lab practicals to do personal training for free and i was like there's probably like i should probably find a way to make money doing this uh, because it seems to be really important to me uh this was back in 2010 and when you look up you know income as personal trainer it's it essentially says you're going to be poor the rest of your life (laughs) so i realized all right there's this isn't viable my student loans alone like i want to be able to make the payments on those uh So how do I be in this space and make it a career? Uh, And that's where owning an actual facility kind of came into play. Um, To do that, I realized I needed a lot of capital. Um, So I took a role in sales right out the gate from school. Um, I progressed really well in that, and I was blessed to have some incredible mentors who taught me things that really translated well into the coaching field. Put aside enough money to open my own facility put in my uh resignation and here we are i love it you know one of the things i always think about um is that sales generally has this negative connotation to it but when it comes to fitness and it comes to the act of persuasion in convincing people to make the better choices in order to better their own lives that's the best use of sales and the skills that come behind it that you could possibly think of how did that skill set for you transfer so with my sales experience um like I said I was blessed with a really good mentor uh, lance cooper out of tennessee and his whole philosophy was essentially doing what's right for the client at all times uh, regardless of how it impacts you and doing that on a long enough timeline you're going to build some really great relationships And I just took that approach with sales. So I was never really selling anything. If I could help someone, I would tell them how I could do it. If I couldn't help them, I would find someone else who could, and I would just connect them. Uh, So it removed a lot of pressure for me. So going into fitness, it was actually very easy because rather than, oh my gosh, like I need to sell X amount of sessions to this person. It became more of a conversation of what is the appropriate dosage for this person to help them get their desired outcome. And how can I put a plan in place? And am I even the person to do that for them? Uh, so that is something I'm huge when I work with gym owners on how to handle that sales process. It's never really selling anything. It's just seeing how you can actually help somebody. Right, well, and I think that's that's part of being able to deliver world-class experience for the client, yes. right? Is Is in prescribing them exactly what it is that they need. And I think that's one of the reminders I give to our coaches and other um, gym owners all the time is you know people are coming to us because they want answers they want us to tell them what to do right they, you don't you don't go to your doctor and then be like well i think this right it's like you want them to to prescribe what it is that you need and i i think it is our responsibility as gym owners and coaches to be able to provide the answers there that kind of give them the guidance of like well this is this is the best best path for you given you know the current parameters and your goals and where your starting point is No. And that's a great analogy you just made with the doctor uh, there. And I think a roadblock for a lot of coaches is they feel they have to have all the answers. And if they don't, then it's, well, they might as well work with me because it's better than doing nothing. And that's not really the case. Um, And I think that's something that working with active life has been really beneficial. It's allowed us to solve bigger problems and improve our skill sets, and build a network of people that I can appropriately refer out to. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's that's an interesting conversation because I think that the value of a coach is highly dependent on the complexity of the problems that they can solve. But you also start to have this problem where if you're trying to solve too many complex problems, you start watering down what it is you're actually good at. So I think you do want to continue to educate yourself and learn and kind of like get comfortable outside of your uh, your comfort zone in terms of like your area of expertise, but you have to be careful not to widen that net too much or else you start losing your ability to be world-class at something. Correct. I, I really think being a generalist, uh, especially in this space, uh, limits your ability to serve the people at the highest level, which is going to then limit your income potential and making this an actual career. Yeah, well, and generalist is usually a good foundation because it also provides you the 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 capacity to kind of like figure out what it is you do actually want. Um, Mm -hmm. I think much like in fitness, you know, when you have a client start, there's a lot of things that are vanity metrics and things that they they think that they want until they actually start working out and start making changes to their lifestyle and their and see the changes in their body, and then they can make more informed, you know, decisions down the road based on their goals. right? And I think the same is true for coaches. In the In the beginning, it's like, I want to coach. I want to coach high-level athletes. It's like, all right, well, oh, yeah. you, you have to understand the trade-offs associated with that, which is most of them are poor and can't afford to pay you. So yeah. it's like, there's that. Um, which again, for some people, this is a trade-off worth making, but it takes time under tension. And I think be, of being a generalist to be able to start to determine where it is you actually want to go. Yeah, what being a generalist on a long enough timeline allows you to do it—it's not just the type of problem that you solve, but it's the type of person that you enjoy being with and that you enjoy serving. And I think that's something that a lot of coaches fail to ever write down and find out, like, hey, who do I really resonate with? Who do I not resonate with? Um, because there's no worse feeling, and we've probably all experienced this as a coach, where you have that client that comes in, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy again and if you're having that free frame in your head that's not going to be good for you or the client so you want to be with people that you're excited to see and who are excited to see you yeah brad that's such a good point you know i i it's just as important that the coaches are kind of interviewing the clients as it is that the clients are interviewing the coaches like we want to make sure this is a good match for both parties because the way that the client's going to get the best experience possible is to have a coach who finds it their passion to help that type of individual Yeah. Uh, a mentor of mine, Ken Andrico, uh, uses a great line. And that is during a sales consultation, you are never selling what you do. You are buying the client's problems. So are these problems that I want to solve? Are these problems that excite me? Is this within my scope? Uh, when you start framing it that way, it makes this whole process. So stress-free because you're only doing things that are in alignment with who you are as an individual. Sure. Yeah. Well, and you're also accepting the timeline of those problems, you know, like generally the more complex a problem, you know, I, just to kind of point to out, you have on one side, you could have somebody that just had full hip replacement. It's like getting yeah. them back to a point of being able to exercise, let alone walk again, pain free and do it correctly is one problem. And then it's like you have someone that comes in and they're morbidly obese. It's like both of those problems. We're looking at years years of planning, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, you're not just tying yourself to this, this particular client for the next three months. Like this is a long, this is not a six week challenge. Like this is a long-term fix. Yeah. And that's a really good point. Setting expectations uh, from that initial meeting with someone. And I think most coaches will do that, but then they don't take the actual step of measuring that along the way and adjusting those parameters along the way. So if we say, hey, this is a problem that's gonna take 12 to 24 months, and a month in, they have an injury, they go on vacation, they have a setback, whatever. Well, that timeline needs to be adjusted, but often we don't actually relay that to the client. So the client has an expectation of, well, this was supposed to take 12 to 24 months. We're 18 months in and I feel like nothing has happened because we haven't had that communication and that management of expectations along the way. Yeah, I mean, I I think, setting the setting of expectations is such a huge component to keeping people in the right frame of mind to continue to motivate them to want to pursue this 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 problem that they're they're trying to solve um because again it's like we don't know what we don't know about a client but we can assume certain things so for instance if someone comes into me and they they are obese and they want to lose all this weight and they've tried all these other things i can probably to a pretty good degree of certainty, say they're going to have setbacks throughout the course of my time when working with them. The question is, how do I have the right conversations in order to reel them back in and keep them focused on the main thing? Yeah, and I think that's where the, choosing clients to work with that really align with your personality comes into play. Uh, If someone signs up with you, they, don't really see any of your product before they just get to meet you. And then they say, I trust this person. Like, this is the guy to help me. So clearly there's something aspirational about you that they aspire to be like. So it's having that connection with them, building that trust on a long enough timeline to have those critical talks. Yeah. Now, what are some of the other, um, you know, tenants for you as far as delivering world-class experience for the client? Yeah. So you hear the phrase, uh, meet someone where they're at. It's almost abused at this point, but what's that actually mean? Um, for me, I like to think of everything from the client perspective, from the second they walk into the facility. So before someone even comes in, let's say they schedule a consultation. They see your website online, they book, um, most places it's an automated, just pathway to get them in the door. You hope they show up and you have a consult. In our head, what we're thinking of is, well, how did I feel the very first time I started something? I trained Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and the very first day I went in there, I was terrified. I was like, am I gonna go in there and get killed by everybody? I feel like an idiot, I don't know what to wear, I don't know where to park. So the same thing for our clients, the second they opt in with us, we reach out with an actual human being. I'll usually send them a video message of myself, Once I get them to actually confirm their appointment, I'm showing them where to park. I'm physically walking out in the parking lot, filming myself. We're greeting them by name at the door. The entire team is prepped on this. So it's just removing all these barriers to entry and fears that clients have. I think that's what's really important. And then along the way, you know, during that consultation process, I let them know, Hey, apathy is part of this. Just so you know, you're going to hit a point where you feel like you just don't care and that is okay. And that is normal and we're gonna work through that together. So I'm setting very realistic expectations and earning that trust early on, because I think something that happens in fitness a lot of times is we, people are inundated with, hey, we're gonna fix all of your life issues in 12 weeks. And there's just no way that's going to happen. And they know it's not true. So, so they, don't, they naturally have a distrust of anyone who says those things. So if you're actually meeting them where they're at and saying, hey, I've been through this and I know it can suck at times, and my job is to help you get through those really sucky times and we're going to collaborate and go back and forth on this throughout our time together now they're going to have a lot more buy-in so I think most people just lack a really good support system for sure yeah and I do believe to your point about people being kind of numb at this point to some of the advertising and some of the practices that have kind of taken place over the last let's say you know five to eight years in terms of like six week challenges and those sort of things is it's like people got very used to getting into a gym, right? Or being sold into a gym and they're just getting like thrown to the wolves. And it's like, all right, good luck. We'll, we'll send you an occasional text and like some meal plans. And like, you're going to, you know, all this value we packed for you that basically has zero human touch to it. That isn't going to be what moves the needle for 99% of people. It's, it's going to be that human connection, you know, and it comes by the way, or the name of lead nurture, obviously, when you're talking about nurturing a client through the process from the time that they send their information to the time they're in the door. But in essence, what you're doing is you're demonstrating that this is going to be a human driven experience. You're going to get time spent with a coach who's going to take the time and patience to get to know you and all of your goals and where you are right now. Yeah. And we've kind of coined that term and we use it a lot. Uh, we call it unexpected value. So it's things that people do not ever expect when they walk into a facility. They don't expect someone to be in the parking lot waiting for them, showing them where to park. They don't expect someone to be removing these barriers to entry. um, For existing clients, Uh, a good example of this, we had a woman who came in, she was absolutely frazzled. She was running behind and she's like, and I forgot my coffee to top things off today. So we sent a coach to go get her a cup of coffee from a local coffee shop and bring it in. And it just blew her mind. She's like, oh my gosh, my day is infinitely better now. And like, I can't believe you guys thought of this. So it's those little opportunities, that's what we really focus on, that human experience. Yeah, well, and it's funny because I feel like we're going in, there's, there's the two extremes and I think the middle is starting to get subtracted out of this, where you know you have the do it all on your own, all access facility or or home workout setup everything's you know given to you via you know now ai but also just you're downloading <laughs> programs offline or the complete opposite which is micro gym personal experience like personal training small group semi private i think that's the other side that's really starting to flourish and it's because people genuinely want that connection Yeah, I 100% agree. We've actually stopped calling ourselves a gym. Uh, I was just in Montreal last week with uh, Sean, the owner of Active Life, three other facility owners, and my business mentor, Ken Andruko, And we were talking about when people hear the term gym, what do they think of? They just think of a place. And the problem that that place solves is just access to equipment. And that's not what we do at all. We are professional coaches. We are meeting someone where they're at, identifying roadblocks in their personal life and helping navigate those. And I think people underestimate their value as coaches a lot of times. We have more access to these people than sometimes their own families do. We're seeing them three to four days a week for an hour at a time. And if you really think about it, we might be the only positive influence that person has in their life. So it's such a massive opportunity So I think it does such a disservice to clients if we are trying to overly automate a process or just focus on KPIs only of, well, this much money came in, this money goes out, this is our ad spend. And our whole thing is how can we create opportunities to allow us to have more human moments? So systems are there so we can actually focus on the human experience. Well, yeah. And I'm going to draw an analogy here. This is going to be my business owner brain and, and coaching brain all in one. So it's like the, sometimes like there are short-term fixes to problems that clients have that are actually, that actually detract from or deter from the long-term goal. So a good, a, for instance of this is like somebody could fast for three days and be like, I lost 20 pounds. It's like, <laughs> Great. Not good. Right. So just like that, there are things that you can do to bump revenue, right. As an yep. owner or as a coach that may not be to the long-term benefit of your ability to provide value to your clients. Right. So it, and it, this is hard because again, if we start chasing the vanity metrics here, be it on the side of the owner or facility mm-hmm. manager, or on the side of, uh, you know, the client, it's like, it it takes away from the the actual what what the actual goal is long term yeah have you ever done that in your own business as far as focus overly focused on KPIs Oh, of course I mean look we've been in business for we're going on just shy of 12 years now like yeah it's uh you know it it, it has its own learning phases as, as yeah. I'm sure you're aware oh absolutely uh we've done the same thing uh three years ago we reached a point in our facility. I'm sorry, two years ago, where I said I would rather close down than continue doing things the way that we're doing, because this is not why I wanted to get into this field. I got in this field because I wanted to help people. Our attrition rates were way too high. We would have a pop of twenty to $30,000 in revenue by running some offer, and then we'd have a massive drop off. And people weren't getting the outcomes that we were promising them. And I felt awful about that. And I didn't feel ethical doing that anymore. Uh, So my wife and I had a conversation of this year, we're going to do things that the way we truly believe, we're not going to listen to any outside marketing. There are no more gurus. We are just doing this. Like we want to help people. And how do we do that? And if it helps the client, we do it. And if it doesn't help them, we don't do it. And that was very difficult at first because we saw a massive drop in revenue. Uh, All those old clients kind of shook out. Uh, but what really helped us through that was just establishing some core values that we truly believed and only leaning into those. And now like I'm very happy to say, uh, we're up 50% year over year. We have about 15 less clients and our average revenue per client has nearly doubled. And I feel like there are certain metrics that are worth tracking because they are very deterministic of if the client experience also going up, Yes. you know? things like that average revenue per member, things like the length of engagement, right? Yeah. Things, of, things like what your attrition or retention looks like. Those are some of the key indicators that you can look at and go, okay, we're moving the needle in these other areas. And that's great, we're a business, we're supposed to. But these numbers here are telling me that the clients are happy to be here. Exactly, we started celebrating, so we stopped celebrating uh, revenue-based wins And we started only celebrating like client wins. If a client got a new job, if a client was saying like, sent us a text saying how much better they're feeling. I had a client last month that sent me a text saying, I feel like great things keep happening in my life. And the only difference is I've been with you guys. Mm -hmm. Those are things that we start celebrating. And that gets me fired up to go to work versus just focusing on a spreadsheet every single day and just doing input output. Yeah, whenever our coaches are feeling a little bit stuck in terms of their programming or their inability to solve a problem with a client or the difficulties of it, um, with a client, like one of the things I always remind them is like, go back and look through your texts, right. Or screenshot all of the good texts you get from your clients, go on to our Google and our Facebook reviews and look at all of the amazing things people have said, not just about the gym, but they'll say it about their particular coach in those reviews. And I'm like, read those, you know, like use that as the motivation you need to get over that hurdle. Yeah, they're having positive social influence on a human being, which is a truly incredible thing. Because when I say positive social influence, you're not just helping that person. That person is going home. How many times have you had a client who started with you and then three months later they're like, oh yeah, my wife has also lost 10 pounds and she doesn't even come here because they've started leading by example at home or they say, hey, my kids are way more active than they've ever been or they're actually wanting to eat like, real food now so you're having this massive trickle down effect that positively impacts an entire community and I just think it's something we lose sight of in the day-to-day of just programming going to fulfill a session and not really thinking of the outcomes that are happening well beyond what you see yeah I mean the longer you have a client I think the more this becomes apparent um, because it starts to feel more like a therapy session and less like a training (laughs) session you know, and I, I, I tell our coaches uh, quite frequently, I'm like, you have to remember that people pay good money to talk to a therapist and just have someone listen to them talk for an hour. So if you are, you're not a therapist, right? You're not licensed right. to do that, but you can expect that if you're a good human being and you have good core values and you genuinely want to help this person, that people are gonna confide in you and they're gonna stick around with you for the long haul because you're solving more problems than just this surface level stuff that's going on inside of the gym. Yeah, a good uh, indicator is if you have a client that's willing just to pay to talk to you. Um, We had a coach two weeks ago. She had a a personal training client. This woman pays $102 a session and she, text her coach and said hey can we just go for a walk today and i pick your brain and that be our session and i thought like i couldn't celebrate that enough because what does that say about the relationship you've built the level of trust she has in you like how she aspires to be more like you that's such an incredible thing it really is one of i don't take very many clients at all anymore but i do still maintain a handful and one of my favorite clients is this older woman that goes to my gym and we work together only like it's like once every other two weeks. Um, yeah. But one of the main things for her is that she can walk pain free. So we come into the gym, do a few exercises, walk to retest. I want to see like how are you able? What's what's her gait look like? How are you? Do you feel your calves a little bit more this time? How do you feel your feet in contact with the ground? So we're having some conversations around the actual, uh, you know, the, the physical component of of the walk, and you know, hopefully no pain associated with it but the other part of it is we just talk you know and it's like one of my it's one of my highlights as a coach to look forward to that no i 100 percent agree it's like it's we don't talk about that enough i don't think we celebrate it enough and those are the things that are really unexpected value both for the client and for the coach now you mentioned core values and i want to dig into this a little bit so one of the things that i have spoken to my clients about regularly is this need for having non-negotiables in their life as it pertains to their fitness, their lifestyle and their health and, and nutrition for that matter. And like, what I've realized is that non-negotiables over a long enough timeline just become core values. Yes. So to you, how do you define core values? Yeah, this is great. Uh, So core values are often thought of this, like corporate speak that you throw on the wall and you kind of forget about. I like core values to be more at the personal level. So first determining them for yourself and then applying them to your business. So what does that look like? For me, it requires asking, what are my unique abilities? A lot of people struggle with this because they have a hard time saying anything good about themselves. So if you're struggling to determine like, Hey, what unique things exist about me? If you go to the five people closest to you and say, what do you love most about how I show up for you? You're going to hear some really interesting things. You'll probably end up crying, but you're going to hear things like you're so empathetic. Like you always think about like how I'm feeling in a situation. you are a true professional. Like you show up before you say you're going to, you are always follow through. Um, Like another one of mine is growth mindset. Like I'm always, I never look at things as failure. There's only feedback. They're different for everyone and they'll be different for every staff member. But what's cool is you find your your personal core values. You start leaning into those at the client level. You'll only start working with people who align with those core values, which makes it very easy to go to work every day and then collaboratively as a team, you can then find common core values between you and those become your business's core values. What do you do as a workaround when you start with a client that is quite out of touch with their core values? Yeah, this is where uh, asking good questions comes into play. And that's a separate skill in and of itself but always having a positive frame with these questions. Uh, A lot of people, when you ask, what do you do for work? Well, that's a loaded question. They might hate what they do for work. So what I ask them to get them excited, more positive is, what do you love most about what you do? And it's gonna force them to start thinking, And from that, they're gonna be in a positive mindset, have a positive statement back, and it's gonna open a whole list of questions for you from there. So now you can start getting into more of this person's personal identity and characteristics uh, versus having that open shut door of, oh, I hate what I do. You know what I think um, about when I think about ways to figure out people's core values? Have you ever read the five love languages? Yeah. Okay, so perfect example here is, In that book, they talk about if if you're having trouble getting in touch with which of the five core love languages uh, you would say is like number one and number two for you is think about it from the perspective of if you were if they were removed from if you were to remove all five of these from your life, which ones would you have the most adverse reaction to? So, Mm. you know, an example here would be like uh, quality time. Like for me, that is numero uno a hundredfold. Like I need human interaction and I need it to be like fun and just like conversational. Like I, that's, I, I 100% need that in my life. So if you were to remove that from me and like isolate me somewhere, I would go nuts. You know what I mean? So it's like, Oh, that's the best way for me to determine what's number one. And I think you can also kind of do this with people's core values is if, is if something were some sort of an egregious act were to happen that wasn't in alignment with that core value. That's one of the easiest ways. Like someone's like, oh no, I would never tolerate that. Perfect. There it is. Yep. It's interesting when you start doing this and you start kind of getting into alignment with, okay, the coach's core values align with the business's core values and that aligns the client's core values. You no longer have to worry about like this community in your facility anymore because there's a culture that is created. And that culture, like everyone is kind of in step moving in the same direction. It's going to increase retention. It's going to increase our improve client experience. Everything gets better and you'll never feel like your job has ever been any easier. And I think that was the strange thing for me over this last year. Financially, it's been the best year of our life, but from a fulfillment standpoint, which is more important to me on the scale, I've never been happier doing what I'm doing. Um, I tell that the gym owners that I work with, if you have clients that come in and you're not like having to stop yourself from wanting to hug them because you're so happy to see them, you probably have the wrong clients. Uh, I look at the clients that I have every day. I'm like, I'm so glad I get to work with this person today. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to this person. And a year and a half ago, it wasn't like that. You had those people in there where you're like, all right, like I know this person's usually in a bad mood or they just don't care. And then I'm gonna be in a bad mood. So now it's just everything is moving in the right direction, and I think that's really where a business kind of like hockey sticks and takes off for sure. Well, and you know, I think there's seasonality to this, and I you you spoke, you know, you've you've owned a facility now for a long time, and you, you spoke to some degree or another about having turnover uh, in terms of like this realization of like we need to do things differently if we want to have different outcomes, and and I've had the same experience, and there's a there's a part of this that is letting go, right? It's being okay with the fact that you're going to have some sort of a mini exodus as part mm-hmm. of a turnover that is going to be for the long-term benefit of not just the the gym and for you, but for your coaches and for all of the clients that really, really belong there. And this is something that's, it's hard, right? Because you fight tooth and nail to get clients. And I think that We get so client focused in that way. When we first open up, it's like, I just need more clients, need more clients. And it's like, what's funny now is like, I, this is by far not the most clients that we've ever had, similar to your situation, but the gym is doing the best that it has ever done. And the coaches are doing the best they've ever done. And the clients that we have are seeing transformations like they've never seen before. And that for me is like, that's the heartbeat of the whole facility. Yeah. How long has it been like that for you? we've really made a major change in the last three years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So we right around when the pandemic happened, there was a few key things for us that kind of flipped the switch. Um, coming from a, we, we're, we consider ourselves like half of a CrossFit gym and half, half of a strength and conditioning facility. Yeah. Um And we onboarded Level Method right before COVID, which was super fun. (laughs) Um, And then we also took a much more uh, personal training and semi-private training focus, especially for onboarding purposes. So coming Mm -hmm. into the gym, it was no longer, you know, hey, welcome to the gym. Here's your one or two classes. Go into group it was, we are going to go through a lengthy experience where we're going to get to know you, we're going to get to know your problems, and we're going to help figure out what we really need to do long-term to solve these. Um, and I think that integration process, along with training the coaches to be able to facilitate it was just so transformative in our ability to serve everyone that came through our doors. That's awesome. How does your staff feel about that? Like, do you have the same staff that you had three years ago or is it different? Uh, I would say it's half the same, half different, or maybe a little bit more different than the same. But, yeah, I still have key players in place that have been with me through these these transitions, and that's been awesome. You know, I think it speaks volumes that you're going in the right direction when you have your key staff members stick around with you and go, hey, like, I believe in what you're doing. I believe in what we're doing. Um, let's go get it. You know, and that, for yeah. me, is one of the coolest parts of this is that they get to come along through these changes, um, and be part of them. You know, like I'm not, (laughs) this is not seven years ago where I'm pulling all the strings as like a puppeteer, um, (laughs) above everything, you know, like I rely so heavily on each coach and staff member to be able to not only coach, but in, in many cases, run their particular you know pod if you will of of their focus so maybe it's we have a youth coach right i have a general manager and it's like we have a csm so a client success manager so it's like it's just really neat seeing them kind of take these values and then that that see them trickle down into everything that they do i feel like that's the most exciting but also scariest part of ownership is giving up the reins to staff and trusting that they are going to carry the mission forward but i feel like that's what has to happen for a business to truly be successful and not just be an owner operator the rest of your life well you can be an owner operator the rest of your life but then you are going to be limited with your ability to actually impact you know and and grow and do things and also it's it's a bit of a selfish pursuit as well because when you're the owner operator forever it limits what other people can do. So if you bring people in with that have these great skill sets, you're really dampening down their ability to express them by restricting them and going like, no, 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 like this is my gym. We're going to run it my way. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's as you mentioned, it's like an imperative. Like the only way you're going to be able to grow um, and lead from the front is to allow people to to be part of it yeah I feel like the only way that you can truly reach like that next level is by helping others um, and it's very easy especially in the gym space because most gyms are just barely getting by they're owner operated they have a very high churn rate uh, they might last three years I think I've seen five close in my area in the last two years which is crazy uh, and when you're owner operator like that and you're not putting upside in for your team and not constantly developing them, thats ten- that tends to be what happens. Like burnout happens, frustration happens. So I think being so good at developing other human beings and helping them get to where they wanna be, that's really what drives a business forward. I think that was a big change for us as well. Um, getting out of that scarcity mindset of, well, I only have this much to go around and I have to keep this all for me to pay my bills right now. It became, how do I help this person reach their personal goal? Like, how do I help them buy a house? Doing that helped my business take off. Oh, for sure. Well, right. Because now, you know, we talked about keeping track of metrics for the sake of determining, you know, client success or not. And then the same is true for staff. I mean, your ability to attract the right staff that you want and keep them long-term just speaks volumes to your ability to put them in the best position possible to be successful in their own right yeah I find it interesting how developing a client and developing a coach you're essentially you're doing the same thing Uh, a lot of times ownership thinks it's like this totally separate thing like how they would lead a client and then with a client, they're trying to nurture and bring them along if they're doing this well. And oftentimes with staff, it's no, these are KPIs I need you to hit. And it's just totally different than any way you would coach somebody. And the really good owners coach their staff the same way that they would coach a client. And that's where everyone's working in tandem uh, together. I just think it's so interesting. It's like just a common fault I see with ownership. Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's so funny how many parallels there are. Um and, and, and for me, you know, as I've grown as a leader and as a gym owner, I see it in terms of the 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 problems that we're solving with the clients too. You know, like it it absolutely um it it, it all gets passed down, you know, like the, the client experience is heavily influenced by my ability to to lead and convince the coaches um to continue to grow themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, how has your personal, uh, fitness changed over the years? Yeah. So we're opening a uh, facility the first, uh, time, like five and a half years ago, every owner I talked to said, uh, the first thing that goes is your own personal fitness. And I was like, (laughs) no way. I was, uh, I was competing powerlifting at the time. I was like, that'll never happen to me. Two and a half years in, I was a ball of stress. I was sleeping upstairs in the office between clients. Uh, everything was kind of falling apart, uh, and I was still trying to hammer myself with squatting three days a week, deadlifting twice a week, all that fun stuff that's really great to do. Um, so I realized, okay, just hitting myself with a hammer every day is not sustainable. I need to have a different approach. And eventually, I had overtrained myself to the point where I had severe tendinitis or tendinosis in both biceps. Uh, this led to me not being able to turn a doorknob like it was bad yeah so that's actually where i met sean and the team at active life um i hired them to work with a coach and they got me back to training again i then realized i thought i knew a lot about coaching i know nothing i couldn't fix my own problem (laughs) It's like this was a really valuable problem to solve and i have people in my own facility with these things going on And I just send them to a physical therapist or I tell them just to rest or just really generic advice. Uh, So it made me see the value of individualization in one's training based off of obviously inside the gym things, but outside the gym, lifestyle factors, stress, diet, sleep, looking at the whole individual. Uh, So for myself, I train, I probably strength train three days a week right now. Uh, I train jujitsu four to five days a week. That's been my, my big focus. And for me, that's the balance that I've reached. And at active life, we use the term practical fitness, which is the appropriate amount of fitness for the individual. Uh, me squatting 500 plus pounds at 180 pound body weight was not really practical for me because it came with substantial trade-offs for my day-to-day life. Now this is a level of fitness that's appropriate because I can do all the things that I actually enjoy, and my life is enriched because of my fitness, rather than being detracted because of it. Yeah, it, you know, I, I have recently become a father, and this is something that I've thought about very heavily, um, having gone through the ebbs and flows of training myself. Um, yeah. and it's it's just such a funny thing to look back on in hindsight because you you realize how often or how how many times you made decisions based on ego or made decisions based on what you, you know, you would, these vanity metrics and things that you just, you're like, I have to accomplish this. Um, and don't get me wrong. Like there are times in, in when you're in competition mode where you're like, no, like, these are things I I really aspire to be able to do. And I realize there's a short window for you to be able to pull some things off. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you're not, (laughs) you're not going to three X your, your squad or deadlift when you're, you know, when you're 50, (laughs) <laughs> so, um, I get that, but much in the same, you know, when you start to actually ask yourself the, the question, which is very deep rooted in that, like, what do I actually, what, how does my fitness serve me? Right. Mm-hmm. And my lifestyle that there starts to provide you with the, the real answers of well, you want to be able to do all of these things, right? Like I want to be able to walk, uh, 18 holes uh, and play golf, right? I want to be able uh, to pick my kid up in any position that I'm in, pain free, right? Like mm-hmm. I want to be able uh, to travel and not constantly have back pain, you know? Like, and you start listing these things down, and you're like, okay, where does the 600 pound deadlift fall in there? <laughs> you're like, exactly. it, just, it, it doesn't, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just so funny uh, from the perspective of both of us as coaches and as gym owners in realizing that we, we put ourselves through that hell unnecessarily. Yeah. And it's, it's so common and you see it trickle down into clients as well. Um, I think we often lose sight of that, that we, we know, uh, what redlining it really means. And sometimes we'll make the conscious decision to do so. Our clients really don't know what redlining is a lot of the time. And sometimes they'll tiptoe in those waters that are you know, they're drinking on the weekend, they are sleeping five hours a night, they have a high stress job, and then they expect to be able to come in and hammer themselves five days a week and not understand why their lower back keeps getting tweaked or why their shoulder like can't go overhead. So a big part of what we do is the education side and the mentorship side with the client to really teach them how to do this sustainably for the long-term and what the appropriate dose of fitness looks like for them. But yeah i think the trade-offs of a certain level of fitness are often not talked about Um, very often a client becomes very outcome focused and you see gym owners celebrating things like oh this person pr'd their squat well what did that do for your personal life did it do anything and was that a goal that you were intentionally trying to hit and like was it was there a lot of value to it for you um these are all things to be conscious of as a coach well right and it, it boils down to what it is that we actually celebrate you know inside yeah. of the gym you know i think what's worth celebrating more is it's like okay someone gets their blood work back and their lipids are down or, or mm-hmm. they're they're resting you know glucose is down and then you're like okay holy shit, like this is transformative for you like we just yeah. we took you out of the trajectory of being pre-diabetic you know like let's let's celebrate this and shot it from the rooftops um rather than just constantly optimizing for <laughs> maximum lifts and, and huge PRs all the time. And look, there are times where those things are really cool too, you know, for yeah. somebody, for a, a woman in her forties, her that's never had any upper body strength to get her first pull up is really freaking cool. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, a hierarchy that we use to celebrate things or kind of re- reflect language back to clients. So let's say they have an outcome that they're really happy about. Well, that outcome obviously requires, requires a specific set of skills those skills were only formed by a specific set of habits. And those habits were only formed by having a personal identity shift. So what we'll do is kind of walk them through that. So if a client says like, oh my gosh, like I took two minutes off my frame time or whatever it is. So I'll say, awesome. Like you seem really excited about that. Was that a goal you were intentionally trying to do? If they say yes, great. Go to the next step, which is, and like, what had to change for you to do that? Like, how did you go about training for that to make that happen? They're gonna tell you, awesome. So it sounds like you were pretty committed to this and like, you had to have a lot of discipline. Okay, now we're talking about a skill. Yes. So then you go into like, what daily habits did that take? Well, I was, you know, sleeping eight hours a night. I was making sure I was hitting my like water goal every single day. That's awesome. Like that tells me that you have really grown as an individual. Now you're kind of walking them through and celebrating the right things with them. And teaching them that's what we're looking for without negating the goal that they just were really excited about. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it's starting to be able to pair intentionality to the goal. Mm. And I think the longer someone is in their fitness, you know, career, however you want to put that, or fitness journey, the more intentional they have to be because it's harder to move the needle with goals. If you've been working out fairly consistently for a decade, it's like, if you're trying to cut your mile time by 30 seconds like that, that could mean yeah. a lot of things, you know, like that's that's not just you start running more, you know, aimlessly yeah. running more. It's like, no, 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 like w- what kind of running? Let's pay attention to your stride, right? Let's make sure your contact is on point. Oh, what's your nutrition look like? You might wanna lose a few pounds. Like there's there's a lot that would go into that. Whereas if someone someone new that comes into our, our buildings, we see this all the time, they, they're hitting PRs and, and seeing changes literally weekly. And it's real, look, it's necessary and it's really cool for them, but it's just kind of happening by the nature of them making a few kind of basic, but rather large changes in the grand scheme of things in their lives. But there's not this, there's not like a ton of intentionality about it. They're just kind of like going with the flow. Yeah. You'll have clients when they first come in, they've been inactive for so long. I'll tell them like, you could come in here and do a crossword puzzle and you'll probably lose weight starting out because you have no training age whatsoever. So setting that expectation of like, hey, this is going to be a really magical time for six months where you feel like it should always be like this. It's not always going to be like this. No, but what it does do is when people do increase in their training age, when you do eventually hit the PR, accomplish the thing, it means that much more to you. Yes. You know, I think if you if you liken it to school, it's like the difference between, you know elementary to middle to to high school to then college to then a master's to a phd it's like if you've been training for 15 years you're in your phd (laughs) you know what i mean so like the work gets harder you know more but it's harder absolutely uh this goal setting and intentionality and celebration thing uh, it's a really interesting topic to me uh, because i feel like all these things if someone gets accustomed to hitting goals consistently starting out and we don't coach them appropriately on how to set different types of goals long-term and not just based on or focus on performance-based metrics. I think that's where a lot of frustration happens for people because it's almost like we taught them that they're failing if they're not constantly accomplishing these gym PRs. And to the point that you said earlier, which I thought was really valuable and we just kind of glossed over, but it's celebrating the outside the gym things. Mm -hmm. Um, And i think that's just so important and i love that you mentioned that there because it's easy to fall in the trap of just well we're in a facility so that's what we're going to focus on Um, focusing on just someone getting a better relationship focusing on someone getting a promotion at work those are things that we send out in our weekly newsletter rather than just focusing on prs i'll tell you a story so this this literally just happened last week so there's a, a woman who's gone through um we do these, like, bouts of nutrition, uh, which are they, – they last about uh, 10 weeks or so, and uh, where it's, it's very habit and behavior focused, where we do Zoom meetups with larger groups of people within our facility, and they have weigh-ins and whatnot. Um, but it's not – it's not, like – over the top this is your meal plan you have to eat this way it's it's really just helping them try to make better decisions uh, when they're they're faced with the fork in the road and um we're we're not in the middle of one at the moment but one of the women that's been in multiple of them with us uh came to me and she was like i have to tell you i was in line at wendy's the other day and because i was running late for or coming home from work i was stressed it was a really crappy day And she got up to the window and they said, ma'am, what would you like? She goes, never mind and drives (laughs) off. And I I started losing it. It was the funniest and most wholesome thing that like anyone has told me in the gym in a while. And it was just so great because I realized that like that there is the crux of what we're looking to be able to do as a coach. And I think we we talked about the value of coaching. And I think one thing that coaches can really give themselves a pat on the back for is when clients are making decisions in the 23 hours outside of the gym, because of the conversations that took place inside of the gym, that's when you really know you're developing a trustful, meaningful relationship with your client. Yeah, and you just nailed the distinction between a coach and a technician. A technician can fix a squat. They can tell you exactly how to lift. A coach can actually elicit change from someone on a personal level. And that's so valuable. And I think most of the industry sets their standard by becoming a technician and they focus on, I have to make content that says, this is what a squat should look like and it shouldn't look like. And I think the really good coaches are speaking to personal problems where it makes the person reading that say, I feel like you were talking to me. I feel like you were talking about me. And they actually feel validated and heard for the first time. And I think that's what a really good coach does. Well, I mean, and we, you know, we don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but like we know AI is coming and guess what AI is really good at, probably better at than humans is being the technician. So it's like, if you don't want to be replaced by AI, you need to bring the human element into the coaching experience. Yeah. and. I think the industry has gotten by for so long with a lot of people who like to work out and they just think naturally, I should be a coach. And that's where a technician shows up. Like they're a great athlete, they compete and they can coach the back squat, but all those soft skills, they haven't really developed. So I think it's twofold. Yes, there's gonna be a big shift in the coaching space, but I also think it's necessary because I think we haven't delivered what we actually should be delivering for a very long time. So I think this is a great opportunity where you see these companies that are starting to really carve out a niche and excel is they're focusing on the individual they're focusing on the actual human element yes yeah for sure I mean it's I think it's going to be like I said if you take the two extremes I, I think the the gyms that can really really drive this point home of making sure that their connection is at the forefront of the mission um I think are, are gonna crush and are gonna continue to be able to serve people in, in, in new and great ways. Yeah, I think it takes a level of almost courage and authenticity to deliver that because you're making yourself vulnerable to actually connect with the client. Um, a lot of people are scared to do that. And I think the best people are the ones that lean into that. Uh, I like to think of it that my clients are all, they don't feel heard, they don't feel connected with, And they have things they wanna say or feelings they wanna express and they don't know quite how. So it's my duty to make them feel comfortable by saying my story and sharing that with them specifically to give them the courage to say, oh, like this guy just opened up to me. I'm okay with doing that too. But it's on the coach to take that first step. Yes. Yeah, and it's, uh, as you mentioned, it's not an easy one to take. No, it feels so foreign and out of scope Yeah. But like anything else, you put your reps in and it it gets more comfortable. Absolutely. So is there anything uh, that you're currently working on or interested in? Oh yeah. (laughs) So our big project is right now we have been working with clients in a facility that serves up to a hundred people. And largely it's been focused on fitness since we opened fitness, nutrition, and then the, cognitive side happened by accident. You have those conversations that happen on a random Tuesday after a session, and you're like, wow, that was incredible. So my big focus is how do I I systemize some of that so I can teach other coaches how to be more effective and be better communicators and ask appropriate questions so we can start treating the whole individual? Because I think, like we just said, that's where the value is truly at, and that's how we have the most impact in our field. So it's trying to systemize all this right now and make this into something where it's repeatable coachable and we can improve the coaching industry as a whole it's so funny you mentioned that because ironically we're doing something very similar at the moment uh so we're building out what we're going to call our fitness mentorship program which is actually designed uh specifically on the the 23 hours outside of the facility um with habit trackers and, and and ways to track streaks um yeah it's uh it's been a big project that our entire staff has, has been working on and has been a part of, um, because yeah, I mean, that's, as we mentioned, like that's, that's really how you make the greatest impact. Yeah. And you probably feel more excited about your business than you have ever at this point, if I had to guess. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to take a step out as part of my daughter being born and a few other things taking place. And and now kind of like getting emerged back in is just one of the best experiences. I love it. That's awesome, man. I love hearing stuff like that. Yeah. Well, Brad, hey, I really appreciate you coming on. As I suspected, we went in so many different directions outside of my script. But this is what happens when I get on here with coaches. We start the jam and next thing you know, we're out in the left field and we're like, wait, how did we get here? But uh, I I am more than certain that the conversation will have proved valuable to everyone that listened, from coaches to clients, gym owners and everyone in between. Uh, Tell everyone where they can learn more about you. Yeah, uh, follow me at Midwestern human. A lot of my content is driven towards uh, coaches and professionals in this space, as well as some practical things for people who are trying to make some lifestyle changes. I love it. Well, hey, Brad, thanks so much for hopping on. If you feel like the gym is one big confusing and intimidating playground, a personalized coach from hard Bat athletics can work with you remotely to help match your goals to an actionable plan. You'll get workout videos and descriptions and have access to coaching calls to make adjustments when you need them. Let us take the guesswork out of your fitness and nutrition. Visit www.hardbatathletics.com to chat with a coach today.